Hi, everybody. This is Tom Salemi. Welcome back to the MedTech Talk podcast, the one and the only podcast affiliated with the MedTech Conference. Uh, for information about the MedTech Conference, go to medtechconference.com and you'll find all the information about the June 1st event in Minneapolis. One of the panels we'll be having is called A Fresh Perspective on MedTech. And our guest today, Cynthia Yee, she's a principal at Wyndham Venture Partners and a member of our advisory board, will help uh, lead this conversation between younger CEOs of MedTech startups. We'll talk not only about the challenges of, of leaving, leading MedTech uh, efforts today, but also what MedTech looks like for uh, younger entrepreneurs, younger executives moving into the space. We very, very often hear about uh, accomplished executives, but it's uh, great to have a perspective uh, from a, a younger set of eyes to, to give us a sense of MedTech's future. So without any further ado, let's uh, begin this interview with Cynthia Yee, Principal at Wyndham Venture Partners. Cynthia Yee, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Tom. Appreciate you having me here. Uh, it's great having you here. I, I have a question. I have a theory about MedTech, why it's, why it's uh, you know, not exactly on fire. I, I don't think we, as an industry, tweet enough. Do you, do you tweet at all? Are you on social media? I don't even have a Twitter account. You don't? Um, <laughs> no. I think we need to start tweeting so things start trending. We need to be trending, I think, if we're going to turn things around. What do you think? Is that stupid? Um, no, I think marketing is, is an important part of any sort of business and industry. Um, I just might start my own Twitter account after this. There you go. Um, oh. uh, is there, is there, are you just not a social media person in general or uh, not a Twitter person or? You know, I, I mean, LinkedIn on yeah. LinkedIn, if that counts, but hmm. no, no, I'm not, I'm not big on social media. I think, you know, my philosophy is it's, it's better to kind of keep your head down and, and show results based on on your exits and the, how you can help your company. Yeah, but, that's uh, I had this conversation with Josh Macar uh, a couple of podcasts ago, and, and he said exactly that, that this isn't a, a, an industry where you market yourselves like you do in others. But, uh, but, and, I, and I completely respect that, but I just think we need some, some sizzle. So yeah, after this, after this phone call, get your Twitter handle going. I'll start following you. How's that sound? <laughs> Great. <laughs> So you, uh, uh, you and my mother, that's an esteemed list. I'm very happy to have you involved, uh, with the MedTech conference. Uh, Wyndham is a, a great firm. I know we had, uh, Adam was at our conference last year and, uh, did a great job in the panel. Can you bring us up to speed on, on Wyndham? It's a firm. I think not a lot of people follow, but you folks are really uh, one of the more active investors in MedTech. What, what are you looking for? Yeah. So Wyndham is a New York-based healthcare venture fund. Um, we're focused on medical devices and do a little bit of healthcare IT. Um, it was founded uh, about 10 years ago by two operators out of J&J. Um, yeah, I, I joined in 2014 um, and opened up the SF office. Um, you know, we're we're actually a pretty um, diverse fund. You know, we invest across all stages and, and quite opportunistic. Um, I think, you know, we, we do a lot of med tech um, just given, given our respective backgrounds. Um, you know, one of the, one of the things that we, we look at is, is really at a higher level thinking about the clinical benefits that any product can bring to, to, con 
patient and, and the economic value. Um, sure. Well, how do you how do you measure that these days? The, the economic value part that is an area we're going to get into on the conference as well. Not to keep referring back to that, but. Do you know if, uh, uh, when you're doing due diligence for a company, I mean, how much, what percentage of your research is sort of on the technology itself and, and what percentage is it on the economic value? I'd have to think it's almost a 50-50 split, if not shifting the other way toward value. Well, I, I think how we think about the economic value of any new technology is really kind of refers back to the to its own clinical data and, and how it can treat patients more effectively, either the durability of a particular procedure or, you know, even if we're looking at an in-hospital procedure, you know, what's the recovery time for a patient? How long are they going to be in the hospital? Um, you know, how long is the procedure itself going to take? And, you know, are there some workflow benefits such that hospitals can treat more patients? Um, so I think there's multifaceted multiple facets of a way of looking at economic value. But I think, you know, there's an acute measure of, you know, does this improve the efficiency of the hospital? And then there's the kind of longer term measure of, you know, is the patient being treated very effectively or are they, is this kind of an intermediate stopgap to some other therapy longer term? Um, so that's kind of how we look at to, to the economic value of a particular that, device. That's interesting. To, to deliver on that value, do you, is it, do you almost need to go a PMA route, like really be, need to be swinging for the fences and for the big, big ideas? Or do you see value opportunities, <clears throat> excuse me, in more, in more maybe iterative 510K devices? Um, so I, I don't think that you necessarily have to be a PMA product to, to deliver value. Um, you know, one 510K or de novo 510K company that we were investors in was a company called Neotrack. Um, and that, you know, developed a novel, minimally invasive solution to treating BPH. Um, but I do think just given the way the regulatory climate has shifted a lot of things that were traditionally 510K to PMA, that that's, you know, a route that we've actually kind of pursued more so than, than most people. Um, I think the, the willingness and, and the need to invest in, in robust clinical studies um, to generate the data that shows that you are providing higher value to patients and, and payers ultimately who are who are going to be paying for this device is, is really critical in, in garnering and driving market adoption. When building a, you mentioned the payers, it got me thinking, I think you might have been at our payer provider venture summit last year too, and that's certainly an interesting area we're seeing. Um, and if you weren't, you can say you were. You don't have to tell me you didn't go, but it was really a fabulous time. I, I was. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> um, what do you think about the the, the payer sponsored uh, investor class? Is that a, is that a group that you're really and and providers too? I suppose. I suppose. Uh, is it really important to get those entities involved in a, in a med tech syndicate? Do you find a lot of value from those players? I, I think. Um, you know, we we've invested with with um, a couple. Um, payer provider groups um, in some of the deals I've worked on, um, particularly at NEA and um, at Wyndham. Um, I, I think I think they provide some perspective in, in how they might view a product, particularly on the healthcare IT side, and, and what the sort of hurdles are to adoption and, and deployment within their healthcare system. But, you know, each 
hospital system, I think, is so unique in how they look at um, any particular new technology or device that, you know, having one perspective is, is helpful in, in framing um, your value proposition and marketing message, but it doesn't, you know, it's adoption in one system or an investment by Kaiser, for example, in, in your product is not necessarily going to mean that, you know, every other healthcare system is going to adopt your product as willingly. Hi, everybody. This is Tom. I just want to take a quick break to remind you to go to medtechconference.com to check out our great agenda. Recent ads include what it takes to win in medtech. We'll have Michael Ackerman of Oculeve, Andrew Cleland of 12, Mike Demand of Nevro, and Keith Grossman of Thoratech. This will be a very informational panel. You want to be there to hear their uh, very unique points of view. Now back to this conversation. You open the uh, the Wyndham San Francisco office. This is, uh, you know, obviously, there's a, a, a great deal of medtech activity out there. Do you still find a difference in, I guess, philosophies between East Coast and West Coast when it when it comes to medtech, or or maybe a difference in the number of investment opportunities? Uh, do do you think there's still do you think there's more opportunities on on one coast or the other, or is it uh, is it pretty robust on on both sides of the of the country? Yeah, I I think um, you know clearly the Bay Area has always been um, a hub for innovation um, in in all kind of fields, both in healthcare and technology, um, particularly in medical devices. But I think. I like to think of it as, as hubs of innovation, and I, I don't necessarily think that there's major differences because it's such a small, tight-knit community that, you know, people from Minneapolis will still work with people from San Francisco and people from Boston. Um, perhaps on the East Coast, it is more focused um, toward technology, um, more so than your traditional sort of implanted devices. Um, but... I don't see a huge difference between East Coast versus West Coast, and, and I'm actually glad. I, I think I, I like that it's a very collaborative community. No, it is that, and I, I think the the size is is both a uh, is a is a positive in that regard. It's uh it's uh, small enough where mm-hmm. you really do know everybody and all the players, and you probably I imagine get to see most of the deals you want to see. Yeah, I think that's actually a benefit. People ask why I'm still in med tech, and I think you know there's just a lot of great assets out there. And, you know, given the fewer investors out there, we have attractive valuations. You're not, you know, investing a hundred million dollar pre-money um, on a preclinical asset like you, you do have in pharma or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, and Wyndham does, uh, does healthcare IT as well. Is that an area you look at or, or is, is MedTech really your focus? I, I helped out a little bit in, in our healthcare IT practice, um, I think, you know, particularly looking at connected devices. Um, so devices that you know, have that are traditional devices, um, but have a connected kind of monitoring component to that. So, you know, I think one of the more interesting aspects about digital health or healthcare IT is, is the ability to, um, monitor and collect data to better understand um, chronic diseases and manage them more effectively. Um, one such investment in our portfolio is a company called WellDoc. Um, that is an app, actually the first FDA-cleared app that got five, sought 510K approval um, and, and, and did a clinical study that showed, you know, 
a 1.5, I think, percent reduction in, in HbA1c, point reduction in HbA1c um, over the course of six months. So, you know, I think looking at things like that and um, applications that really help consumers better manage their diseases is, is something I'm interested in. Now, how did you find your way into venture? I know you'd spend some time, as, as some VCs do, on, on Wall Street. Uh, was uh, Were you always planning to, to get into VC? Did you have other healthcare aspirations, or uh, is, did this sort of just come together for you? Yeah, I can't say that I always thought I would be in venture, um, but I I knew um, what I liked, and, and I always thought that, you know, novel emerging technologies was something I was interested in. You know, understanding the competitive landscape was an important part of of my job. Um, you know, identifying new growth opportunities for the companies I covered. Um, and and I thought, you know, this was actually the most interesting part about my job. And But I wanted to be able to more actively contribute to that process. I felt like, you know, being an equity research analyst, I could tell people to buy or sell a stock, but you know, that that might help with directing the flow of capital, but it was a very passive way of being engaged, and, and I wanted to be in the position to really influence outcomes in the development of these technologies, and, and so venture seems like a natural fit. Do it, How is MedTech seen as, as an opportunity for younger people getting into finance or in finance who are looking to maybe do what you're doing to get more involved in the investment side of things. Is, is MedTech still uh, enticing to people or is it, uh, is it an area that uh, many have some concerns about and perhaps uh, won't get involved because of those concerns? No, I, I actually think MedTech is, is still a very exciting field. Um, you know, we look at, you know, I, this was a question I asked myself, you know, even five years ago is, is, is this a field I want to stay with? Um, is it shrinking? Um, and I think, you know, with all the FDA challenges and, and, and funding and capital flows away from this sector, it was, it was a valid, it's still a valid question. Um, but I, I think there's a lot of exciting new technologies out there. You're seeing actually, um, a lot of pharmaceutical players who, you know, 15 years ago now, they began divesting their med tech, um, franchises and, and now you're seeing them actually establish little venture groups within their firms to actually explore investing in medical devices because they're realizing that, you know, it's it's not so sustainable to have someone on a drug chronically or multiple drugs chronically. It might be more efficient to actually treat the disease with a device one time and then be done with it, hopefully. Um, so so I think, you know, medical devices is almost seeing a renaissance with the FDA climate changing, um, you're seeing more people get back into it, um, either through you know connected devices or actually through traditional um, implanted devices. Uh, that's great to hear. And just final question: What are some of the uh, highlights of your portfolio? I don't want to ask you to name your favorites because I know you you can't have one, but I know your portfolio is pretty diverse. <laughs> You've got some. Uh, cool ophthalmology company, Clarvisa, which we've talked about before, which we've talked about on our OIS podcast. But uh, what are some of the uh, portfolio highlights that we should know about? Well, you mentioned Clarvista, which I I will give a little shout out to because I'm on the board of it. <laughs> um, but it, that's actually really one of the more interesting companies 
um, in our portfolio. It's a, it has a modular IOL um, that um, will allow physicians to optimize refractive outcomes um, and facilitate postoperative lens exchange should they should that be necessary. Um, another really cool technology is a company called Vitronis, which is um, developing a next-gen integrated mapping and ablation catheter. Um, and what's unique about it is that it's non-contact, um, uses ultrasound energy, and can make a contiguous lesion. Um, and it's just it's just a really cool uh, device to treat AF. And I think it's actually going to revolutionize the way um, physicians um, approach that disease. That's great. Now those are two very uh, very good examples of of, of uh, how exciting medtech can be. So. Well, I'm glad you are, uh, you're helping us out with the with the MedTech conference, and thanks for uh, sharing a bit of Wyndham's story, and uh, we'll see you in Minneapolis on uh, June 1st. Yep, look forward to it. Cynthia Yee, thanks for joining us on the MedTech Talk podcast, and thanks, of course, to our listeners for uh, visiting with us today. Go to medtechconference.com, check out our great agenda, register to attend the MedTech conference, on June 1st. Sign up and we will see you in Minneapolis.